talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hi, superfans. Welcome back to All Star Superfan, the podcast that explores the full 80 plus year legacy of the Man of Steel throughout all of the various mediums. I'm Alan Bark, and I am joined, as always, by the Singapore sling of sophistication himself, Rob. Wait for it. O'Canine? Oh, oh I thought, thought you were going to say Ruff O'Connor, but Rob O'Canine. Oh, I, that's I, good too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, my, one, my one was awful, but I don't care. We're going to keep it in anyway. <laughs> Rob, how has your month been, my friend? Um, Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, lots of great Superman stuff this month. L- lots of great yeah. comics. Um, Picked up some new figures I'm going to talk about now in a second. And uh, yeah, that... <laughs> A movie came out. We're going to talk about that. That's pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, just 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 working away and 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 uh, and enjoying some some good Superman, which is always a good uh, good thing to say. Yeah, man, you made a point on the last episode where you're like, you know, it's some of the greatest, some of the, some of the best Superman comics that you've ever read are out now. And I, I think I spoke about this last time, but I recently um, upgraded my tablet. I got a new tablet, and I've just been going through stuff and. Some classic stuff, some new stuff. Uh, I was reading um, uh, Annual 11, you know, the old Annual 11 with um, the Alan Moore story. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the, the Black Mercy uh, uh, for the man who has everything. Went back and visited that. Hadn't read that in years. Read Superman Up in the Sky. Um, Lovely. Your recommendation. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, read the uh, Robocop versus Terminator book that you recommended <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. as well. Obviously, Superman Space Age that we're going to talk about later on. So, yeah, it's just been a lot of really great Superman stuff over the last few days. I've really been enjoying it. Yeah, and, and, um, and just you can t- find us on Facebook and Instagram, everybody, at All Star Superfan. And on Twitter at All Star Superpod. Uh, you can also reach us with your thoughts and opinions by emailing allstarsuperpod at gmail.com and being with the chance of having your email read live on air. And if you can spare a few minutes of your time to rate us on whichever platform you listen to the show, we'd very much appreciate it. Um, so, Rob, tonight we're first going to chat about DC League of Super Pets, uh, which is the, the latest big budget animated children's movie to be released in theatres. We're going to review the film, give our thoughts and opinions on it, and we're going to follow that with an in-depth review of a recently released uh, current uh, Superman book titled Superman Space Age by, by Mark Russell. Um, I'm really looking forward to tonight's episode. Yeah, no, uh, two very, very significant <laughs> in different ways uh, releases that I'm, I'm, I'm really, really psyched to talk about both of them, actually. So, yeah, t- take it away. Yeah, and I, like we've, we haven't swapped any messages about what we thought about nope. the films or anything like that. I have no idea. You could say you absolutely <laughs> loved it. You could hate it. I don't know, but I'm looking forward to, to hearing it. So, look, let's just get straight into DC League of Super Pets. Um Actually, before we get into it, tell me, are you generally a fan of these kind of Pixar-esque animated movies? Yeah, so, like, there, there's this whole kind of thing around kids' movies that it's like, oh, well, this is just a kids' movie, it's it's not for you, or, you know, like, people use that as an excuse a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the time when a kids' movie isn't good, it's like, oh, no, well, it's not, it's not made for you. Well, I'm like, yeah. well, no, some of my favorite movies ever are kids' movies. Like, the Lego yeah. movie a couple of years ago was... A masterpiece like it was so so good and then you know you look look back then a toy story monsters inc uh, i mean there's so many good pixar movies up 
um inside out i thought was was quite good that was that was like maybe slightly more adult and then you get into stuff like soul which is just blatantly a movie for for grown-ups but yeah. um yeah like so many uh, the iron giant is a masterpiece like that that went straight to video i love that movie and that is for I've children never, i've never seen the iron Giant. you've never seen the Iron. we need to no. do an episode on the it's, iron it's, giant alan it's on it's on my list but it's been on my list for like 20 years and it's on netflix and stuff and i keep meaning to watch and i i, I know alan. there's a big superman element to it Jesus. i know i know i know i hang my head in shame i know there are so uh, many yeah. comic book writers and creators who say that the iron giant is the best superman movie like you need yeah. to watch that tonight. it is it is it is utterly <laughs> disgraceful and i have no no, there's no valid reason why I haven't seen it yet. Nothing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm totally I, I I'm totally good with movies for kids. Uh, I I but I in saying that they need to be good and they can be mm-hmm. good and they often yeah. are good. So when people say, oh well, you know, this movie wasn't for you, I'm like, no. Movie yeah. movies for kids should should also be for everyone, and the best ones are and. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a sec. And yeah, <laughs> my opinion I'm, might I'm surprise co- you, by the way. And it may well, it may well. I, I'm kind of, um, like, I was always into animations, obviously, you know, grew up with Batman the Animated Series, all that kind of stuff, and uh, loved the, a lot of the DC original animated movies. Was never big into, like, Pixar stuff. Really? Kind of, you know, kind of came out in my teenage years and in my 20s, was never really into it. But I've really had a crash course over the last three years since yeah. Alana Jean, my daughter, was born. Um, and I'm well versed now on everything kind of minions related. We saw the rise of Gru there. Her first trip to the cinema about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, brought her to see the rise of Gru. Was there any of those? And was there any of those dopes? The no, no, <laughs> no, no. I was. Well, what are they but called? We saw, like m- m- gentle minions or something. It's these yeah, weird. I don't even know what the suits. backstory to that is. Yeah. It's, I like. I just feel old now that you know. There's obviously some kind of backstory to that whole movement or whatever you want to call it but like we went at i think we went day one at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon Lovely. with her once we picked her up from preschool and stuff and uh yeah like things like the minions you know like you said there we watched turning red recently that's a good one the, the new disney one uh toys obviously the classics like toy story i saw toy story one the first in in the cinema um, I would so have been like 10 or 11 years of age and ants and a bug's life. They all kind of came out around my time. But yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I think, you know, they have to be good. And I think that adults can enjoy them as well. Mm-hmm. I think the smarter ones are always the better ones, the ones that entertain children, but then kind of enter- entertain the adults as well. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what you think about um, DC League of Super Pets because I, I know I have some thoughts on it. Mm. But yeah, so just a couple of facts about it. Directed by Jared Stern, who I think was the writer on the Lego Batman movie. Am I right? I think I think he was. That that um, sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I think he was. And it was released on July 29, twenty twenty two. Now that's here in Ireland and Europe. I, I don't know if it was released a couple of days early in the states or that. Um, it had a budget of ninety million dollars. As of right now, it has um, brought in. I don't know if this is right, about 45 million. So it's about half its budget so far, but it's only been out a couple of days, to be fair. I think it only came out on Friday. Um, cast, uh, uh, Dwayne Rock, The Rock Johnson as Crypto, Kevin Hart as Ace, The the Bat Hound, uh, John Krasinski as Superman, Keanu Reeves as Batman, Kate McKinnon, who I love on Saturday Night Live and, and some of the comedy she's done, to, I think did a fantastic job as Lulu, the villain in this. Olivia Wilde as Lois Lane, who would actually, I was right. thinking about it, make a really good Lois Lane. Absolutely. Yeah, I I totally. And John Krasinski would make an amazing Superman. He would, 
Absolutely. And everybody's like, oh, he'd make a, a, a great Reed Richards. And I was like, no, he, he actually would make a great Superman. And he was in the running. I think he was the other guy for Captain America. Am I right? That's absolutely right. Yeah, he, he did. I think he was like very close to getting it. And there was, yeah. there was all sorts of chatter online at the time. Like, oh, is Captain America going to turn to the camera and do a little smirk? I was like, oh, shut <laughs> up. Actors can play different roles. Come on. Yeah. Um, and the uh, incredible comedian, I don't know if you listen to him, Robbie, he does a fantastic podcast, uh, um, Mark Maron as Lex Luthor, <laughs> who... Um, do, you, do you like Mark Maron? No? <laughs> well, all I'll say about Mark Maron is he has said some... I would say some pretty nasty things about kind of superhero movies in general and how pe- oh. people are only in them for the money and stuff like this and that, well, w- which is probably mostly true. Let's be I didn't actually know that, to be honest. But like, you know, he, he, th- he thinks very, he thinks they're beneath him. Like, and, and yes, this is now the guy this, who voiced Lex Luthor. This is the second DC movie he's been in. He was in Joker as well. And now he's in this. So I, I just think it's funny that he's, you know, he's so, he hates this genre so much and he keeps coming back to it. Um, the film's score was by uh, Steve Jablonski, and the animation was provided by Animal Logic in Sydney and Vancouver. Um, yeah, I thought, I, I, I really liked the look of it, to be honest, just to mention about the animation there and the, the style of it. I thought it looked great. Um, I really liked the kind of art deco um, architecture there in Metropolis and all that kind of stuff. Um, I read somewhere, and I don't know, I want to get your opinion on this, I read somewhere that the character designs seem to draw inspiration from the Super Friends animated series oh, and from the Silver Age uh, comic book era of kind of Superman and all these characters. Now, I didn't really get that feeling while watching it, did you? No, not not really. Um, I just specifically got an enormous Fleischer. Uh, like, mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the most literal Fleischer reference you can make is that Superman has the, the kind of red and black s um so that was obviously an immediate callback but just in general the look of metropolis um and i'll get into my thoughts on it in a minute but that that felt very very fleischer and and just the fluidity of the animation i I didn't no i didn't really get a silver age vibe at all it was it was very very fleischer very 40s very um yeah but i i suppose now thinking about it i can kind of see where they're getting from in terms of silver age but it was more fleischer for me yeah yeah, I'd agree with that. And just kind of background-wise, are you a you're a you're a pet person, aren't you? You're you're a cat person, aren't you? I I am both a dog and a cat person. So I've had uh, I've had two dogs, um, and we currently have a cat that we kind of accidentally <laughs> accidentally got. So I've kind of had both ends of that spectrum. And and yes, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be a big pet person and a big animal person, and and. That kind of feeds into some of the thoughts I have in the movie. But, well, just some of the more minor thoughts I had in the movie were just as a pet owner. I was kind of like, hmm, that's that's a, that's a bit odd what that character just did there. But, um, <laughs> no, like, yeah, like, I, 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 I love pets. I, I you know, I, I mentioned last week when we were doing our Superman 78 review that our hearts are not made of stone. <laughs> and, like, there yeah. are certain things you can do with cute animals that will just melt mm-hmm. anyone. And... <laughs> Mm. This is <laughs> okay. this is going to be the one where I I come across a little bit more uh, uh, pessimistic in, in this conversation. I uh, the Lex Luthor of this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pretty much hate pets, to be honest with you. Oh wow! I thought <laughs> don't you have a cat yeah. as well? 
See, this is the thing, right? I do have a cat. I have a cat that I absolutely adore. And I, I sometimes I do kind of have a, a, a stone heart. I, I, I had, my parents had animals growing up, had dogs and stuff. I had like two German Shepherds. My parents had a German Shepherd. My sister had a German Shepherd. I never got the whole dog thing. Okay. Never got it. N- not into dogs at all. Uh, never had any other pets. And then when we moved from, when we moved out the country, basically me and my wife, we were renting a place a couple of years ago. Um, there was mice out in the field kind of around the house and my wife was like maybe we should get she's from the country and she was like yeah i tell you what get, sorts out mice is cats we'll get a cat so she went down to her, her parents and they knew someone who had a kitten so we got this kitten and we brought it home and i was like oh god cats i don't know and then slowly at over time somewhere and i don't know how it happened i i fell in love with this cat yeah uh, she's jet black her name is ninja we still have her it's eight years later and i'm i i'd love that cat lovely but whatever it is, I don't think I'm going to love any other cats or anything like that or any other dogs. It's just something about this particular animal that has kind of melted my heart a little bit. So that's such a classic dad quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm determined not to allow a yeah. to get a dog because it'll probably be the same thing again. <laughs> so let's talk about the plot a little bit. Yeah. Will we? Okay, so do you, do you want to kind of go through the plot? Do you want to kind of explain the 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 the, the ten pole elements of the plot or what the plot's about? Yeah, so uh, essentially the plot uh, we begin in of all places, Planet Krypton. Um, yes. In in its final hours, we 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 begin on Planet Krypton. We see the baby Kal-el being put into a very Donner esque um, ship uh, by a very mm-hmm. Donner esque Jor-el and Lara, and you know that they're saying their goodbyes. We've seen this a million times. But then we hear this adorable little rough of a dog who, um, you know, it, it sees that baby Kal-El is kind of on his own and, and, and he decides to jump into the ship and uh, the ship takes off with the, with the dog in it. And Lara says something to the effect of he needs a friend or something like that. And then basically we skip forward 30 years. We see Superman and uh, the seemingly 30 year old Crypto, who is still in the best of health. And we're we're basically told that Superman and Crypto are like a crime fighting duo um, and that Crypto has been with Superman for his whole career. And we kind of follow them together. We learn that Crypto is a bit jealous of Lois Lane and that he knows that Superman is hoping to get uh, get engaged to Lois Lane. And he's very jealous and he's worried that um, this means that Superman doesn't love him anymore and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Superman is also worried about this. So he decides to adopt another dog to keep Crypto company to sort of... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- th- so the crypto will have someone else to hang out with, and this is how we're introduced to the other characters. Uh, we're introduced to Ace the Bat Hound, as you said, and and a couple of other kind of funny little animals, and then one of them is Lulu, the guinea pig, the hairless guinea pig, who is a LexCorp uh, laboratory guinea pig who has this device that she's going to use to bring orange kryptonite to Earth, which will uh, give superpowers to uh, pets, but not humans, just pets. And uh, the long and short of it is all the animals get powers. Crypto loses his powers when he eats a piece of a piece of cheese that has kryptonite in it. <laughs> and he has to join forces with all these newly powered animals um, yeah. to rescue the Justice League and stop Lulu, the evil guinea pig and uh, Lex Luthor. Um, and it's 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 kind of a kind of a like a road trip type movie, but also kind of a, a coming of age power of friendship, all, all the classic cliched themes are all in there um and uh meanwhile there's a lot of kind of super saves and justice league action and there's a big sort of superhero brawl at the end uh, yeah. and that's 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 pretty much the movie 
And I, I have to say just before I, because I, before I forget it, I absolutely love the opening scene with uh, Krypton and the destruction, and there was cues of the John Williams theme, and I was sitting there in the in the theater, and I'll ask you about how you saw it in a second. Yeah. But I was sitting there in the theater, my daughter was beside me, and there was the scene where the ship Krypton has exploded, the ship's in space, and the child starts crying in the ship. And, uh, you know, ever since I became a dad, that kind of sound just breaks yeah. my heart. And there was a beautiful scene where the dog, Crypto, kind of snuggles up to the child and comforts the child in, in the coolness of space. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's 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 really nice. I, how, how did go, go, yeah, go on. Go on. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to ask you how you saw it. But go on. Uh, no, I, I what I was going to say there was um, that scene. I was like, I, I thought this movie wasn't supposed to be good. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, this, this, this could actually be a great movie based on this scene. Like that, that was an absolutely like that. Yeah, I, it, I, it, it it melts hearts. Yeah, like, you see the you see the, the because originally initially Jarell and Lara hold crypto the puppy back. Yeah, and next thing the sh- the ship kind of before the the dome closes over the and like you said, it's a very um, Donner version of the of the the crystalline ship. Uh, Crypto runs and jumps in and then Lara stops Jarell from taking the dog back saying he's going to need a friend and just this beautiful scene where the child's in like the emptiness of space and I just thought it was lovely yeah and and the whole he needs a friend like it was pure cheese but I was like yeah do you know what I'll buy that for a dollar (laughs) (laughs) I was just buying it it was I I should probably tell you now Alan I, I went into this thinking, oh, God, this is going to be like Morbius level shite. I, I went in thinking this is going to be absolute trash. And, I, you know, did it, did it warm your cold at heart? I was like, this is going to this was, you know, accountants came up with this idea. And I still think that I still think that this is mm-hmm. a cynical kind of how can we make a movie that's for the whole family? All that stuff. I went into it thinking it was going to be trash. And I don't think it's a great movie, but I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I did really. Yeah. I'm the, the hand of my heart. I really, really enjoyed this movie. And like within a couple of minutes, I was like, hang on a second. I'm, am I about to cry at this Super Pets movie? <laughs> and that happened a couple of times throughout. Like I was like, this is affecting me emotionally in a big way. And it's, it's like partly because I'm a big Superman fan and I'm really, really digging all these references that they're making. And it's partly just that I love pets and animals and that's kind of affecting me too. And I think that's kind of a, as, as you said at the start, it's kind of a take it or leave it thing. I'm one of those yeah. people who who cried at Marley and Me as well. So, oh, yeah, you know, Marley and Me is. But, yeah, but, but a lot of people hate that movie and they say it's like saccharine garbage, you know, and they're probably right. But yeah, it was kind of the same with this. Like, I, I will absolutely acknowledge that this is not this is a three star movie tops. But yeah, and I have to agree with you. Um, I, I thought the film started really strong. Yeah. And I thought it ended very strong. And I just thought in the middle, and I'll get into it because mm-hmm. it's, 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 I think it might be different for me seeing it maybe as a parent a little bit compared to seeing other films of the same kind of genre, you know, the same ilk. Yeah. Um, but how did you, did you go to a local theater? Did you bring Saoirse? Did you go on your own? How did you view it? Yeah, so I, I had the day off work today. And as it happens, I... Uh, I, I had a couple of free codes for uh, cinema tickets and nice. uh, just full disclosure, the reason I had those was I had such an awful time watching Top Gun Maverick between 
the quality of the picture was just kind of bad. It was kind of off. Like the contrast was too high, and it was kind of a oh my god. I, just just for clarity, I I thought you were going to say that you hated Top Gun Maverick, and I was going to have to end our friendship. No, to be no, with you, no, but no, 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 that's okay. No, that's no. okay. I, I loved you, okay. Top, I loved Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> but the first time I saw it was really horrible because the I I, I thought we had booked IMAX tickets, but they're actually iSense tickets, which is just some other nonsense. So it was okay. a really mediocre looking screen. It was projected badly, and then there was t- there was a bunch of dopes at the back of the screening who were making loads of noise the whole way through. And I'm almost ashamed of myself for saying this. I stood up and I went out to the manager and complained. He came in, had a few words with them, and that did nothing. And they continued making noise. New. I I am I am a person who will actually stand up and shout at people in the cinema. I have done mm-hmm. it before, but my girlfriend was with me, and she has given me many ultimatums over the years where she's been like. If you do that again, I'm walking out of the cinema. So I didn't want to do that. So I took the diplomatic approach and complained to the manager and did all that. And it didn't do anything. So afterwards, I wrote a really, really nasty email to the cinema chain. And I said, look, I had a horrible experience and I'm never going back there again. So so (laughs) they sent me two free codes for uh, any movie of my choice. So when when we were saying we were going to do a Super Pets episode, I was like, I don't really want to pay to watch Super Pets. So I'll just use one of these free things to see it and yeah so that worked out nicely i went at like eleven forty, uh and yeah. obviously the kids are still off school so there was there was like a smattering of kids and you know a few grown-ups um it wasn't it wasn't a packed screening not like eleven forty in the morning it's never going to be packed but there was a few people there but yeah i was the creepy guy on my own in the in the in the far left corner just watching this super pets movie and and that's fine too. Yeah, that's well. fine too. <laughs> um, I went opening day. I went on Friday. I brought my daughter. Um, I she was dressed up as Supergirl. She was very excited. It was her second time in the cinema. That's lovely. And um, my wife came with us, and uh, we went in. We sat down. We watched it like that. Um, there was a, there was a good few kids there. Um, there was a good few parents. There was some people on their own as well. Um, and it was a lovely experience to experience it with her. Uh, I was kind of hoping that it would be her first cinema experience, kind of, you mm. know, being Superman related and stuff would have been a nice one to remember. But um, she she was crazy. She loves Minions. So we went to see The Rise of Gru a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, we just had a, we had a really nice time. And I, I enjoyed the movie. I liked the movie a lot. Um, like I said, I thought it, the start of it, the first act was very, very strong. I thought the, the last act was very, very strong. Um, and I thought overall that it was very charming mm. when it focused on the relationship between the humans and the and and the dogs and and the animals i thought yeah. that that was really nice um but the one thing that i experienced there and i haven't seen too many of these films in a theater with an audience it's only the second time i've done it but having seen grew the rise of the minions which isn't even the best minions movie the reactions of the children and the adults in that film were a lot stronger than they were in this film. Interesting. Um, I thought, you know, there was there wasn't much laughing uh, from the kids and stuff at, at, at the start. Some of the kids were excited and they were shouting and stuff and that. And that's fine. You know, obviously that's fine. They were, you know, um, but and there wasn't much laughing from the adults. And I think there's a balance there to be had with films like this where you have to entertain both. Yeah. Like as as someone who has seen certain <clears throat> films like Tangled and um many many other ones you know like moan and all all those kind of disney ones and then the funnier ones like the dominions and all that kind of stuff like i have to, I've, I've seen some of those 500 times yeah at this point you know like over and over and over again and there's certain ones that when alan jean wants to put them on i don't mind it as much because mm-hmm. 
they entertain me as well and there's humor there for the adults as well yeah um, I don't think that DCD Super Pets is going to be that film for us I know she it, it seemed a bit long I thought for yep. kids Um, like I, I, she was kind of bored by the end of it at one point she turned to me now she's only three years of age you know next week Um, but she was like is it nearly over and she didn't say that during the Minions film yeah Um, now I still think she enjoyed it and I think I think the people there enjoyed it but I, I don't think it's going to go down as a classic or anything like that yeah I I completely agree um it, it, it is it's about 15 minutes too long it's an hour 45 minutes like this could have been yeah, a, this that, could have been too a, long for for what it is this yeah. could have been a cool 90 minutes and an out and out of dodge and there, there wouldn't have been any uh wouldn't have been any you know hard feelings you know um yeah um what i was saying before like it is very heartwarming i did laugh i laughed six times which the critic mark Kermode, who didn't like this movie by the way he okay. his whole thing is like if in order for a comedy to be successful, you have to laugh out loud six times. And I did laugh out loud six times watching this movie. But that that being said, that was six times that I laughed. There was about 90 or 100 jokes in this movie that didn't yeah. land at all. <laughs> like for kids yeah. or adults, like nobody was laughing. You know, there was loads of just kind of fast talking, kind of like Seinfeld-esque kind of dialogue. Yeah. But it just didn't work. And, and again, it felt like that very kind of algorithmic kind of spreadsheet warner brothers executive kind of this is what the audiences want type humor where it was just yeah very committee driven and it didn't really feel like anybody actually thought that this was funny that they just thought that this is what audiences will lap up but it it didn't work you know that kind of way that, that yeah, that's I, my that's I, yeah. my only real slight against the movie is just that there's loads of it that isn't funny <laughs> Yeah, and, kind and of boring. I think that's the the middle part of it. I think like it, it often tried, to, it, it often tries too hard for laughs, which yeah. which f- fall completely flat. And they did in the theater, like like what I was saying when I was there. Now there were there were times I don't know if I laughed six times, but I definitely laughed too. The biggest, the two scenes where I laughed the most, I I really laughed a lot, and I really loved, um, I really loved the scene with Bark Kent. I have a funny thing to tell you about that. Actually, go on. I I really enjoyed that scene where Superman turns into Clark and he's he's going in talking about animals. You know, he's gone into the shelter to talk about adopting adopting another animal, and uh, Crypto takes on the 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 guise of of Bark Kent out on the on the curb outside, and you know he's trying to hide the fact that he's Crypto and he's not doing a great job of it, and. The other dog that he's talking to kind of realizes that he's a bit weird and, you know, socially inept or whatever. And then he changes into crypto and the dog automatically kind of, (laughs) you know, he's like, I know exactly who you are. You're the guy who was here two seconds ago on the glasses. I I really thought that was funny. Yeah, I I, I thought that was good as well. Um, just, Just on the Bark Kent thing, by the way, right? That that actually is a reference, but they've they've mm-hmm. they've adjusted it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and and for good reason. At, yeah, so <laughs> you know what I'm going for. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So I know you're going, yeah. when the Adventures of Superman, starring George Reeves, was understandably cancelled because the the star in question passed away, they tried two things. The w- one of those things was they tried they did a Superboy pilot, which was Clark Kent in his teenage years, which they would obviously eventually do again. Can't do an yep. episode of this show without mentioning Superboy. <laughs> the other thing they tried was a, a pilot called The Adventures of Super Pup, where it was a bunch of little people dressed up as kind of anthropomorphic animals. And it was basically sounds, just the... Adve- that sounds like a solid gold idea. A solid gold idea. <laughs> and it, it was basically just the exact same show, The Adventures of Superman, but with these funny little animals instead of 
people. And yeah. uh, there were, you had Super Pup and his secret identity, Bark Bent. Yeah. You can't do that now. <laughs> Not this time. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you the two times. I, well, no, I laughed six times, but there was two very significant ones, right? One of them was a DC kind of a reference type thing. And the other one was just a funny joke, right? Okay. So the, the DC reference was, I don't even remember the exact context, but I think Lois Lane, um, she's going up to Clark's apartment uh, for the romantic date. And then she sees Superman get blasted out or something like across the city. So she yeah. rings the Justice League emergency hotline. <laughs> And there's just this like little wait music. It's like, welcome to the Justice League emergency hotline. For Earth 1, press 1. For Earth 2, press 2. <laughs> I, I, it's a stupid joke. I thought that was great, right? The other one I thought was really funny was um, uh, later on in the movie, Ace gets hit with a missile in the chest. And he goes, I just got hit in the chest with a missile. And Crypto goes, uh, well, that's one way of putting it. And he's like, no, that's the only way of putting it. I just got hit in the chest with a missile. <laughs> <laughs> I, Kevin Hart was like unusually good in this movie I, 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 I'm not a big fan of his or at least in movies anyway I don't mm-hmm. really rate him but I like Kevin Hart he was kind of the straight man in this like Crypto was kind of the goofy comedy character and, and Ace yeah. was the, the straight man and I, I thought he actually had the bigger laughs for me I, if anything another kind of major problem i had was i just didn't i thought dwayne johnson was kind of wrong for the role of crypto like he's supposed to be lovable interesting he's supposed to be lovable and kind of you know superman like or whatever and i i couldn't get dwayne johnson out of my head who is this gruff kind of anti-hero badass kind of i don't think of him as being lovable at all you know I didn't have that experience at all. I completely forgot it was Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart watching it. I, I was completely kind of, I, 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 I completely forgot. And even like we have Keanu Reeves doing Batman. That didn't really shout out Keanu Reeves no, to me. I, either. I, I actually forgot it was Keanu Reeves until the credits. Yeah. And that's actually one of, and I, I didn't see any of the trailers. I, I don't think if I, if I had seen one of the trailers, it was a long time ago when it was maybe before its initial release date, before it was put back. Um, but I've seen trailers since on, on TV and stuff. And one of the moments where I laughed the most was obviously in all the trailers and everybody probably saw it coming. It's the line by Batman where Batman is like, that better be an officially licensed action figure, whatever it is, or I'm going to freak out. And that I laughed out loud at that. I thought that was brilliant. Actually, that, that that's another thing. Uh, Batman had a line in this where he was like, I work alone. Except for Robin and Commissioner Gordon. And then he starts listing off all these other people he were and finally he lands on and whoever Morgan Freeman played. Brilliant. And it's that that line is really subtle, to be fair. It's yeah. really subtle. I, I I loved that. Um what did you think of the depiction of, of the Justice League in total? Yeah, again, like pretty good. Like I yeah. you know, I I have problems with Superman as a pet owner. But other than okay. that, I thought John Skrzynski was an excellent Superman. There's loads. Mm. I didn't expect this to be as much of a Superman movie as it is. There's yeah. loads of Superman in this movie. Um, yeah. So he was really good. Obviously, uh, the design is just pitch perfect. There's a fucking S on his chest, Alan, for the first time since 1987 on the big screen. And I want to say another thing. There's an S on his cape. Sorry, on his cape. That's what I meant. For the first time ever yeah. since 1987, <laughs> there's an S on Superman's cape. And I'll tell you why that really surprised me. We'll get into it later on when we talk about the figures and stuff. Uh, it really surprised me because a couple of months ago, I got the the play set for my, for my daughter, the Superman, the Crypto, Ace, and Batman came yeah. in the play set. 
no S on the cape. Ah, uh, not so good. Yeah, so uh, when I saw it on the screen, I was like, yeah, and it's a beautiful S. It's a kind of gold kind of oh, color. His costume, beautiful. I thought, was great. It looks really, really nice. The, the rest of the Justice League, I thought, the design of Wonder Woman, loved it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cyborg with the afro, loved that. The Flash was really good. Um, I, I, I must admit, I don't know who that Green Lantern is, but she was great. She only had a couple of lines, but I was like, yeah, yeah fantastic. You know, it's just great to see a Green Lantern on the Justice League again. You know, yeah, um, yeah can't really get like the Justice League didn't have a huge amount to do. And for no. once in the history of the world, Batman is like a minor character in a movie that features Superman. And I was going to say that that absolutely shocked me. I thought that I was going to go into this film and it was going to be kind of an ace, the Bathound yep. story. And he meets Crypto. And it's it's the fact that they centered the whole thing around Superman and Clark Kent and Clark's relationship with Lois and Crypto. Uh, I, I couldn't have been happier with that. Now, the only thing with Batman is, I think Batman, uh, I've seen online and I've, I've read r- other reviews and stuff, and people are like, oh, the Batman was great and we really love the Batman character. I didn't think he was great. Out of all of the, the Justice League characters, I, I I didn't love his design in it, and I would have, and, and again, this is my per, uh, personal preference, I, I kind of would have liked it they maybe leaned into the kind of Batman 66 version a bit more, maybe that kind of, you know, more campy kind of version. But again, that's that's completely personal taste. Yeah, I, I I know what you're saying about the design. I I thought the kind of bluish hue of his costume. I I would have I would have leaned more into the classic kind of the gray. But yeah. I I loved the really long ears. Um. Yeah. No. I I thought I thought there was a lot of laughs. I I I always like when they make fun of kind of Batman being this tortured soul. I think that Lego Batman did that really well, uh, and the actual yeah. Lego movie did that like even better still. So I I I like those kinds of jokes. And Batman is yeah. a character that should be made fun of, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. But the, the only thing I'd say about Batman is every time these big kind of animated movies come out and, you know, you had uh, Will Arnett playing him in the Lego movie and now we mm-hmm. have Keanu Reeves playing him in this movie. I'm like, maybe not so much with Will Arnett, but definitely with Keanu Reeves, I'm like, this could have been Kevin Conroy. Yeah. And it would have been Kevin Conroy in a movie that's going to make, you know, $200 million or, or more, you know, that yeah. that would have been that would have been nice and that would have been special and he would have made a bunch of money off it and what why don't why don't we do that like I don't know yeah. it's that that that's that 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 was my that was a, a very small criticism but I just feel like and a great point it's, no, it's it a star-studded movie why not just squeeze Kevin Conroy in there as well you know enough people and like you the target demographic for this movie fathers bringing their children to the movie yep. you would have appreciated that. And one hundred percent, and and that's one of my one of my criticisms criticisms of it is I, I kind of would have liked as a huge fan of this kind of world, this you know the comic book world, the Superman world in particular. I would have liked some more kind of deep cuts for for fans like me who are going Ooh. in and watching it and being entertained while they're there with their kids, you know, and I'm not just saying Superman stuff, but Wonder Woman stuff as well, and Flash stuff, and, you know, just a couple of jabs here and there. And um, th- there's a character, the, I think it's Merton, or Myrtle, the, the Flash-esque turtle, the turtle that runs at super speed, and, and she gives off a couple of um, of uh, of adult uh, jokes there that yeah. are, are quite funny, all about, you know, the Flash and speed and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, you can draw your own conclusions. One, one thing I really liked about it, um, I liked that the film took the time to allow the audience to care for the animals before they kind of got their superpowers. Yeah. Like it wasn't just, you know, scene one, you know, comet crashes, orange kryptonite 
superpowered animals and we're off you know you, you get to and there's a beautiful little backstory for ace as well yeah i'm talking about crypto's backstory of you know he's a puppy he's in love with his owner she's a little girl parents leave the gate open at the top of the stairs she's going to fall down the stairs he runs over and kind of grabs her by the arm and stops her from falling she starts crying she's got a little bite mark on her arm so they, they put him they send him to the shelter and i thought that was beautiful um a beautiful story yeah that that, that was another one of those times where it was like Oh my god, I'm yeah. I'm about to cry, and and you know it it was very much kind of like okay, this is this is kind of like I, again going back to the cynical Warner Brothers executive spreadsheet yeah. thing. This is Jesse from Toy Story two telling the story about you know it, it's basically that moment transplanted into this movie, but even yeah. still, it was it was a lovely little moment, and I had cousins who had a dog for many many years, like that he, he lasted a generation. And uh, Gina, my cousin, uh, took this dog and introduced the dog into her family. Then, when she got married and had a child, and then the dog bit the baby, and they had to oh they had to get rid of the dog. So, so like, and I remember being affected by that. Like, I was heartbroken for them because it yeah. was such a beloved dog and all this. So when that happened, I was like, oh god, you know. Yeah. Um, no, and it 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 really it really when I was watching that one I was like oh, that really pulled at the heartstrings as much yeah. and I like the fact that that Ace's backstory pulled at the heartstrings almost as much as Crypto's did you know like I I I I like that about them we don't get and we do we get I was just about to say we don't get backstories for all of them I don't think we do get backstories for all of them I don't think we get backstories no. for um I can't even remember the pig I think she was played by Busy Phillips I really liked her in the movie I don't think we get a backstory for her or for the turtle definitely not. We get and one for Lulu, like obviously. Or something. Yeah. Um, and Lulu, like I said, Kate McKinnon, I'm a big fan. Nefarious, guinea pig, you know, villain, l- madly kind of besotted with Lex Luthor, mm. thinks that they're a team, all that kind of stuff. I thought that was all very smart. I thought she was a great character. Yeah, yeah, really liked her. And it, it felt like something that Lex Luthor would do. Um, I Mark Maron's Lex was, was interesting. It was definitely veering yeah. towards the Gene Hackman, which I... I'm in the minority on, but I, I, I will always appreciate that. He was sometimes yep. a little bit, maybe a, a slight bit too thuggish, a little bit too man on the street. But overall, I thought it was a really in- interesting interpretation. And I was just like, this is kind of the closest we've ever gotten to, like just the yeah. standard post-crisis Lex Luthor on the big screen. It's actually kind of like... You could you could argue, I guess that the Jesse Eisenberg version is closer. I would say that this version is closer, and yeah. whatever about the character and the performance, LexCorp, what a beautiful design for LexCorp. Yeah. It was just incredible. Like across the board, Metropolis looked Daily Planet. I thought looked stunning. The Hall of Justice. It all looked like a million dollars. This is yeah. Again, it's kind of my favorite like big screen version of Metropolis. It's like. They have that kind of 1940s goldenrod kind of shimmering skyline kind of thing that Superman Returns tried to do. But then there's also kind of the playful, colorful retrofuturism that Superman the Animated Series did. And then it just all has this beautiful sheen of Fleischer to it. I yeah. I just, this is, it, it's literally aesthetically the perfect way to do Metropolis. And I was, I, throughout the movie, I was like, and a few people have said this, it's like, I, I, I kind of just wish this was, a crazy big budget Superman movie for kids instead instead yeah. of pets and, and all that. Yeah. Like, I, I wish it was just into the Spider-Verse, but with Superman, with these designs, this Metropolis, all this stuff, because it's all right there ready to go. And it looks amazing, you know? Do you think that 
coming away from this, like the studios or whoever coming away from this will be like, hmm, maybe people do like Superman, <laughs> do like Superman and do like the, the you know, the, the, the more, you know, positive, just all around good guy uh, uh, portrayal of Superman. I, I think Warner Brothers know that already. They just feel like, how do we do that in the modern superhero movie landscape? Yeah. It's like, how do we make that work? Because the main, the target demographic for modern superhero movies is men, really, in their like mid to late 20s. And they don't want these earnest, you know, heartwarming stories about heroism. And they just want punching and fights and superpowers and badassery. And that doesn't always gel well with the traditional Superman. Whereas I think this film, they were like, this is going to be a movie for families. This is going to be people who grew up with the Donner movies and, you know, yeah. are possibly introducing them to their own children now. And, you know, so I think that's why they knew that they kind of had carte blanche to just do classic Superman. And they did it pretty well, I think. Like, you know? And I, I totally agree. I, 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 that's one thing coming out of it. I was like, God, I hope like people. I could feel the energy when people were watching Superman uh, flying across the screen in the in the in the cinema and stuff. And I was like, you know, I really walking out. I was like, really, I hope this opens a door now for yeah. more of that kind of thing. Um, I'd love that. Um, we talked earlier on about the the John Williams uh, musical cue and stuff and the oh my goodness the gracious the music. Oh my goodness gracious! I didn't know that going Do you know in. Where I, you didn't know which. I didn't know that there was going to be any John Williams in this at all. No, I, like I, no. We were on suddenly we were on Krypton. I was like, oh, the movie's starting on Krypton. Okay, and the Fortress yeah. of Solitude theme kicks in. I was like, oh, 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 this is happening now. I'm in a, I'm in a movie theater and they're playing John Williams. I was like, holy shit! And it's all throughout this movie. Like, there's yeah, nearly is. more of it than there is in Superman Returns. I was getting I seriously into it, like. Yeah. Um, did you notice any other musical cues in the film kind of um, maybe very much related to this podcast? The, there, there was a shade of uh, Danny Elfman, Batman in there as well. There, 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 there was there was there was a little bit less of that than there was. Again, less Batman than Superman. Sounds good to me. But um, uh, I was more I was more referring to uh, Oriem's I Am Superman. Oh, my goodness. In the film. That's right. <laughs> because I was wondering, I was watching it. I was like, I, I turned to Stacey. I was like. Oh, that's that's the that's the song. That's the the song that inspired air quote uh, no, our that, theme that, song. That, that, I, that definitely didn't inspire our theme song. It's got nothing to. Do, it's an affectionate parody. No, because I was like, oh, it's so much more likely that we're going to get sued now. <laughs> yeah. No, I I love that um, as well. But I, I, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, the the toys. Have you, you haven't picked up any of the toys for the film or anything? Have you? No, I haven't. And I tell you what, the movie, the cinema I went to today is situated very near a a big kind of big chain toy store. And I I yeah. went in afterwards, kind of half hoping that I might come across like the Superman figure from this movie. Yeah. And there was barely any. There was like a small little corner and they had a few kind of cryptos and things, but they didn't have any of the main sort of Justice Leaguers. And I was a little bit disappointed because I, I definitely yeah, would have liked to get one. I actually should have grabbed um, the ones I got for Atlanta. I got I got Superman, I got Batman, and I've got the two main crypto and, and Ace. Nice. Um, I was I was kind of planning to, to go to that that store after the cinema if she really loved it to pick up like the, the, the pig and stuff. There's like a, a set of, of those characters as well. Um 
But to be honest, I don't think she was that mad into it, so yeah. I didn't bother. I think she she's happy enough with what she has. Um, they're okay. The figures themselves, they're very child-friendly. The articulation's not great, you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, they're out there. If anybody wants to get them, they're, they're widely available and stuff. Um, so, yeah, just in closing, really, I don't think there's too much more to say about it. Do you? No, yeah, that's... I mean, I think we have it well yeah. covered. It was... I think, look, like... It, I, th- I, I, think, I, I think you went in... I think you went in expecting it to be a very... I, I hope I'm not overstepping here, but I think you expected it to be a very significant screening with with your. You probably went in with higher mm-hmm. expectations. Um, I I I wasn't expecting from my socks to be blown off. I was more like even if, even if it had been absolute crap. Yeah. Sitting down in a cinema with my daughter, dressed as Supergirl, listening to cues of the John Williams score on a screen, watching Superman, seeing crypto in any way, shape or form. And I played some of the, there was there was a crypto cartoon about 15 years ago. That's crypto right. The super dog. And I, I kind of shown her an episode or two of that to kind of get her into it. And she was very excited, like going in. She was like, we're going to see DC Super Pets. We're going to see it. Um, so no matter what the film had been like, it would have been a great experience for me. Yeah. Um, but but coming away as an adult fan, as an adult fan, like, like I said earlier, I was hoping for some more deep cuts, more subtle adult humor, poking fun at the at the comic book world, um, which, you know, we love and the ridiculousness of it. And, you know, as a parent, I wanted to make her, I wanted to see her laugh. And it didn't really, it didn't make her laugh enough yep. for me to kind of walk away going, geez, that was a great, great film. And there wasn't enough in it for me, even though there was a lot in it that I really did enjoy and what they did do with Superman, I really did like. Yeah. Um. So, like you said at the start, for me, it's it's a it's a three out of, it's three out of five for me. If we were to give it a rating, I'd, I'd yeah. you know that's the kind of mark I'd give it. That 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 was the thing I was going to say was when you were talking about that there wasn't enough references. Uh, for mm. I actually felt it was like loaded with references, but maybe maybe just in the background of frames and stuff like that. If 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 you look maybe d- so. during some of the during some of the kind of scenes in Metropolis and all this kind of stuff, there was I spotted uh, Ferris Airlines, which is from Green Lantern. Didn't spot any. I didn't spot that at all. Uh, Fleischer Fish, which is obviously a reference didn't to Michael Fleischer. <laughs> um, there was a Big Belly Burger, which is a, yeah, a common thing. I saw the Big Belly Burger. Uh, Hex Steakhouse with a big cowboy hat on it. I thought that was really good. Yeah, um, was good. And there was obviously loads of Wayne Enterprises everywhere. Um, I really liked uh, DPNN, uh, Daily Planet News Network. Yeah, I, and I was I was wondering. I actually thought of you when I saw that because I was like, oh, I wonder would Rob like that or would he would he have preferred an, like an LNN? I I, I I definitely would have preferred LNN, but I I was also kind of like, it's kind of gas. It, it's it's kind of just hilarious that you know in various different DC properties we've had GNN in Batman comics, we've had yep. LNN in Lois and Clark, and I think possibly in Superman comics as well, and now we have DPNN. And and they all they all use the same kind of like mock CNN logo, so I I yeah. kind of thought that was fun. Um, I'm trying to think, was there another DC thing I spotted? I I really liked the line where she was like, I I think it was Lulu was like, whoever thought a pair of glasses would fool anyone? A mustache maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was good. I feel like that was maybe a little dig at the whole. Justice League. Oh, that, that's thing. exactly what it was. That's exactly it was a whole. It was a dig at the at the at the at the Whedon uh, Justice League. Yeah, and there was. I thought that was very smart. There was one or two others. I did notice there was more than a few Marvel references as well, and it was almost like they felt they needed to make references to Marvel stuff because that's more popular nowadays and people will get it. Like there was yeah. a bit where the pig got superpowers, and she was like, "Oh, this is my origin story," and my uncle didn't even need to die. 
<laughs> and I, I, I'm going to get it. Like it'll obviously be available on some streaming or whatever when it comes out. I, I will pick it up on Blu-ray. I will, like you know, yeah. I, I would still like to have it in my collection and go back to it and watch it again with her and, and see on second view and what I missed the first time and stuff in the cinema. Um, but do you think we'll get a sequel? I, I was thinking about that. I was like, this is a movie that I enjoyed, but I don't need to see a sequel to this. But, yeah. you know, it's down to Warner Brothers. It's down to those suits in that office. Like, if it makes enough money, there will 100% be a sequel to this. But, yeah. you know, I went into this thinking, this is a movie I'm not going to like and I'm never going to see again. And that is a common criticism I hear when people, mm. you know, when I say I don't like Batman versus Superman or whatever, people are like, oh, you went into it wanting to hate it or whatever. I went into this sure that I was sure to God that I wasn't going to like it. And I was like, do you know what? I had a bit of fun with that. So, you know, I think that's a job well done. <laughs> and I, I, I have to say, I, like, I was looking forward to it once I saw it. I had, like, I, I have seen so many of these types of films over the last while that I was looking forward to one that was more aimed at kind of the, yeah. the stratosphere of something that I'd be interested in. Um, I, I, I would love to see something a little bit maybe more uh, Superman Justice League related in the future, yeah. maybe set in this universe or something like that with cameos by the animals or something. But look, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And but overall... Sorry, yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, going back to Into the Spider-Verse, that is a movie you can show to a five-year-old and it is a masterpiece yeah. and everybody loves it. You can make these incredible five-star superhero animated movies for kids and, you know, and this could have been that and it isn't. Mm -hmm. Like, it absolutely is not. But I had a bit of fun. Yeah, and I'm the same. And I'd recommend it. I think if you're a fan of Superman, if you're a fan of the Just Sleep, check it out. You know, you, you may not want to go to the theater if you're, you know, 45 and you're a Superman <laughs> a fan of the Superman comics, but, you know, at least check it out when it comes out. Um, but yeah, so that was DC League of Super Pets. Um, let us know, everybody, what you thought about it. And if you're looking forward to another one or if you disagree or agree with what we said. Um, will we move on? I think so, yeah. Superman Space Age uh, by Mark Russell uh, with art by Michael Allred. Tell me about your experience with this book or when you first heard about it or just the background, your background with it. Yeah, so I, um, I've i always really liked Michael Allred as an artist and he's got mm -hmm. this very kind of throwback, kind of almost Jack Kirby type um, style to him. Very... very not not I, dissimilar to Darwin Cook as well. It's kind of pop art. I'd I describe it as I yeah. Think. That that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, definitely pop art kind of vibes. Um, hmm. but also Mike Russell. Um, I only kind of put this connection together the other day. He did a Flintstones reboot comic about five Correct. years ago. That Correct. Nobody thought. Nobody had it was. It wasn't on anybody's radar. And it's incredible it's a 12 issue series of the flintstones and it's basically like an ever so slightly more serious version of the flintstones that is kind of like a social satire like the since the flintstones was always a little bit of a social satire but this this pushes all that to the max and like it, it talks about religion you know it talks about society sexuality monogamy like it, it talks about all these kind of lofty themes that we're always talking about and it just does a big sort of uh, parody of all that and and, and yeah. politics obviously it goes into that a lot and it's just it's it's a really bleak comic at times very tragic um but it's also just really really heartwarming and really really lovely and it reminded me a lot of like kind of king of the hill and all that sort of stuff okay um it, it i highly highly recommend mike russell's flintstones series if you can get it it's on dc universe 
It's available on Comixology. There's trades available as well. But when I put the connection together that he was doing a Superman comic, I was like, okay, that's something I really, really want to read. And then the reviews started coming out that it was really, really good. And I checked on the Comixology store and I read that it was 89 pages. And I was like, oh, wow. I thought this was just going to be an issue. I didn't realize it was going to be a book. Um, So, yeah, I went into it really, really excited. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I I didn't really know much. I knew about um, him writing the Flintstones. I had read about the Flintstones book and how good it was and how surprising it was, but I haven't actually read it myself. Um, and I didn't really have much notice of this coming out. I I, I literally found out about it a couple of days before um, it was released, and I kind of read the synopsis about it and kind of read what it was about or where it was centering on, and straight away it it kind of the idea of of it hooked me. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan like you mentioned earlier of Darwin Cook uh, I loved Darwin Cook's New Frontier book yeah. um, and it's you know it's it, it, it's not the same thing but it's it's in the same kind of you know uh, hemisphere of uh, as yeah. that work I think it's, it's like kind of like Frontier, a spiritual like cousin to it nearly yeah I, I, like New Frontier has always struck me as kind of more 40s 50s orientated yeah. kind of whereas this is you know solid now to be fair this does go through a number of different time periods you know we go back to the 40s at one point um, we're in the 60s for the main part of the story and we you know there's there's kind of snippets of the 80s as well um, but yeah I have to say I was I really enjoyed it yeah um, I sat yeah I, I, I just really enjoyed I sat down I watched I read it in one sitting um, with a cup of cup of coffee or a cup of tea I sat down and I read it and I just I, I couldn't wait to get to the next page every every throughout the whole thing I really thought it was it was superb yeah, I'd, I'd I'd echo that entirely. It was just just wall to wall greatness. Like I, I just like it. It felt like I was just instantly. Y- you get that with kind of great comics. You you just know straight away. Oh, this is going to be a really good one. You know, yeah. whereas whereas other ones kind of grow on you and and all that sort of stuff. Whereas I was just reading this the whole way through. I was like, no, this this is just instantly. This is an instant classic. Um, yeah, it just and it looks great. Uh, I, it reads great. The characters speak in a way that I really like and wall to wall yeah really 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 good I think the art is absolutely and we'll get into the plot of it and everything but I, I think the art is absolutely beautiful um, I really enjoyed it and it's it kind of if, if people want to get an image of it if they, they may not have seen his work before it, it's very much kind of like what that new animated Superman Man of Tomorrow kind of looked like that those really kind of heavy black lines kind of around mm-hmm. the, the the you know the faces and the, the, the features and stuff but yeah just a lovely kind of simplistic art just really, really liked it. Uh, made me laugh. I think Jonathan Kent, uh, Paul Newman is definitely the inspiration for Jonathan Kent, I think. Uh, and I think I've seen people, other people pointed out, I've I really got that, that kind of Paul Newman vibe off him. Um, but the plot, the, and again, we won't go through it all uh, panel by panel, page by page, but the over the overarching plot of it, um, we start off in 1985. Uh, Superman is basically watching the death of his world, of his, his earth. And he goes back to the Fortress of Solitude where his where Lois Lane is there they're obviously married and they have a child and the, he says goodbye to the Bottle City of Candor and all that kind of stuff and he talks to Lois and it, it's clear that the, the, the world is ending it took me a couple of it, it, it didn't strike me straight away it, it took me a couple of pages before it dawned on me that his earth was dying because it was crisis and infinite earths okay yeah well um yeah, I think I think we're introduced to the Anti Monitor much later in this comic, so I think I put it. We are, then. yeah, but yeah, no, I I know, I I didn't. It didn't strike me as that either. I I assumed it was something 
climate or cold war related when I was reading it initially. And, and was it when we got to the, the scene with the with Priya later on that it that it that it twigged with you? Because I, I just presumed that it was obvious to every Superman fan and it just went over my head. Yeah, I th- yeah, to be honest, I, I don't know if I even entirely decided that it was that when I saw the anti-monitor. I I felt like maybe it was a suggestion that or like maybe the anti-monitor is like a red herring and it'll be another thing. Mm. Um but yeah, I, I feel like there there may have even been a press release where they said that in it that it was the crisis but I, I, i'm not entirely sure but um um yeah and uh, that just i just i just thought i was being a bit slow there i thought that it wasn't so i'm, I'm thrilled if, every, if nobody else got that straight away and it wasn't until the later scene that the, that people got that i uh, i feel a lot better um but the overall scene the the overall story is it, it it's it goes back then to the 1960s to 1963 and it's centered around the uh, assassination of john f kennedy mm. and john f kennedy is assassinated um, they're worried that the Soviets are going to use this. And I think this was a real life concern at the time. Yeah. You know, the commander in chief has been taken out and the, the American military, the American government are worried that the Soviets are going to take advantage of the kind of the chaos that has ensued and maybe initiate a first strike or take advantage of it. And Superman, Clark Kent, who hasn't revealed himself as Superman, decides that he is going to kind of step up and kind of be a beacon of hope or whatever in in that world and inadvertently almost sets off a nuclear attack uh he flies off and the soviets think that it could be a a, nobody knows what he is the soviets think it could be an american weapon the americans think it could be a soviet weapon and only for the fact that hal jordan kind of shoots him out of the sky um and divert you know stops a a nuclear disaster nuclear holocaust at that time and we find out that lois lane it's kind of working. Uh, I think they call it what is it, Kooks and Cranks kooks or something and like cranks. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's basically dealing with the kind of like almost the X Files <laughs> type stories for the Daily Planet and interviewing all these nuts. But she happens to be in Texas on the day of the uh, of the assassination, and she ends up writing this kind of Pulitzer Prize winning story. You can kind of see that Perry doesn't have too much respect for her at the start, but then he he realizes what an amazing reporter she is after bringing home that prize. Um, and then we have a, a bidding war, kind of a, a contract war between. Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor to try and 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 get a, a, a military contract to different versions. Uh, Lex Luthor wants to basically build cities underground. Is what I got from it. Yeah, like nuclear fallout is inevitable. Let's prepare for it. Let's get everybody underground. Bruce Wayne has come up with all this tech for kind of you know hand to hand soldier combat. And I love that. Uh, <laughs> I, I I knew as soon as I read it, I knew you would. I knew you'd love that. Um, and it, it turns out that Lex is, is it's a whole con job. Lex wins the contract. It's a whole con job. He he hides in this bunker, this city, brings people down with them and drops a bomb on Co City, destroys it. And his his whole his whole goal is to set off a, a nuclear holocaust and kind of be the leader of the, the surviving civilization. Um, it's it's I just thought it was I thought it was really good I really enjoyed the whole thing from start to finish I love the characterizations of of everybody involved um and I'm just mad to get your thoughts on it yeah and similar to New Frontier I think the Cuban Missile Crisis I think was kind of the linchpin in that that sort of Mm. set off the rest of the DC universe unfolding and in this it's obviously JFK's death and yeah. when you do things like that, you're always in danger of being a little bit kind of tactless or a little bit tacky. But I think yeah. that this just did it in such a tender way and it was so kind of respectful and all the characters just felt so real. Like yeah. Lois in this, who 
is not a major character in this story, but like you just you can just tell from a mile away why Clark falls in love with her. And yeah. it is an issue I have with some modern versions of Lois Lane where, you know, contrary to like the older versions where she would often be very like an almost like an antagonistic character, like in the Terry mm-hmm. Hatcher version, they kind of play her off Dean Kane in such a way where it's like he's perfect and has no flaws. So she has to have all the flaws and she, the flaws, she can yeah. end up being a little bit unlikable sometimes. And definitely when I was watching it with my girlfriend, she was like, she kind of didn't like Lois for the first while because she was just so kind of horrible a lot of the time. But then yeah. on the opposite side of that, a lot of modern stories, like my problem with Secret Origin is Lois is such a perfect idealized version of kind of the fantasy girlfriend that every man yeah. wants, that it's almost too far the other way. Whereas I think this was just such a really nice kind of proper human depiction of Lois where, yeah, she's she's interviewing these kooks and cranks and then she's the only journalist available to to cover the 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 um the shooting and she interviews all these people and it's because of her compassion uh you know that that she's able to report in this way and that she's able to tell the story better than anyone else can and that's why Clark falls in love with her i just thought that that was a really really well really great way of just sort of um mm. characterizing lois um you know it it feels weird kind of talking about kind of references and fan service and all that kind of stuff in a story that has so much more going to for it but i did really really like the kind of donner influences of this story as well mm-hmm. like it's very yeah. very heavily more so i would say than a lot of comics i read like there's a lot of like clark goes he finds the fortress of solitude he you know listens to messages from jorel jorel trains him to be superman which i often don't really like when they do that in in tv shows and movies and they kind of they're doing it more and more nowadays but i did like it in this comic i have to say um well, there's there's things in it i agree with you there when it comes to like uh, Jarrell training super and stuff but the way and there's other stuff there's other things in it that i'll bring up in a minute that yeah. generally normally i don't like but the way that they approached it the way that that mark russell approached it mm. i i i accepted it more and i liked it a lot more yeah i did um, too like there's a and, and I'll get back to those because I, I want to make a point about Lois Lane as well. Like there's I never am a, a fan of the Jonathan the Jonathan Kent who turns to Clark and was the, the Man of Steel mm. uh, Jonathan Kent who turns to Clark and says you know you know you don't you don't have to save them maybe you should have let them die all that kind of stuff. And this Jonathan Kent is kind of like that. Uh, he, yeah. he turns to Clark. Clark wants to leave and he's like you know there's nothing wrong with feeding people is that not heroic and you know staying on the farm is the way to go but this Jonathan Kent has a reason to be like that yeah this Jonathan Kent went out in the 1940s and served in World War II and he left Kansas and he went out to save the world and he's traumatized by it and there's a there's a scene there we go back to the 40s and we see that there's a scene where he he shoots a child yeah um, unbeknownst to him and it's really dark and it's really uh realistic to be honest with you yeah um but i because there was so much more to his backstory and you know in real life these people did come back and you know there was no counseling and there was no training and it was called shell shock it wasn't called ptsd and all that kind of stuff it was i i really really thought that was great that i could really see his point of view a lot more than i did from the guy in man of steel from from the john kent in man of steel i completely agree with everything you've said and in fact, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Man of Steel because this whole story actually 
felt very similar in a way to kind of the Snyderverse version mm-hmm. of the DC universe and stuff in that. Um, and, and also Zack Snyder's Watchmen it reminded me a lot of that where he, he did a lot more with kind of the um, this alternate version of world events where, you, you know, we see the comedian uh, kill John F. Kennedy, I think, at the mm-hmm. start of the Watchmen yep. movie, which doesn't happen in the book. I, they may have implied it. It's been a while since I read it. Um, this whole book felt like a movie that Zack Snyder would like to make. The difference yeah. for me is that none of it felt exploitative none of it felt shallow it all felt very tastefully done and yes it is a cynical story in some ways but it was just so beautifully executed i believed in all the characters i believed in jonathan kent and i never felt like this is something they're putting in for shock value or you know it it just all felt very real to me and i i i i completely agree with what you said about the going away to war like it felt more like mike russell addressing the problematic parts of the American dream, which yeah. is which is a big problem with Superman, I think, is that Superman represents the American dream, but he doesn't really represent the American reality. And I think that's maybe yeah. why we've struggled so much to get Superman back into the mainstream on the level that like Spider-Man and Batman are. I, I think it's that people, yeah. it, it's very easy for Superman to stand there and tell you to be a good person, but you're like, well, you've had all the opportunities in a world you're a white guy with superpowers. <laughs> like nobody is yeah. better than you. Nobody has it better than you, you know? Whereas this story kind of gets into that a little bit of, you know, the, the ugly parts of how America got to where it was. And uh, I, yeah, I just, I, I, I thought it did it all very, very well. And, uh, you know. And you're, you're right, because it's like you said about Watchmen there, it's, it, it's kind of like it's Superman put into historical, in the context of historical fiction. Yeah. And like but it's done so well and and why I brought up Jonathan Kent there was um in relation to your um comments about Jorel normally I don't like Jorel training Clark Kent how to no. be superman but they go, they exp- like with Jonathan they they explain it mark explains it very well in that Jorel expects that Clark by the time he finds the fortress and he you know um uh, activates the 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 Jorel hologram Jarrell expects that Clark has, you know, trained already. That he's really like at the that. peak of his of his educational, you know, prowess. That he's at the peak of his physical. That he he knows basically all of the Kryptonian knowledge already. And then when Superman takes off and makes, and it's a disaster. Basically, he almost you know brings about the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, say for Hal Jordan, he then goes back. He then realizes, and and this is something that I really really took away from it, and it's it's that Superman is fallible and he makes mistakes but he's open to learn and, and, and evolve and I think that's a very interesting angle that he like he this Clark Kent learns that it's not enough to be Superman it can't be done on, on his own he needs the support of people around him he needs the support of Jor-El yeah. he needs the support of the Kents he needs the support of Lois and then the Justice League as he goes on and I really like that about it yeah and I, that, that's part of why I think Superman is an interesting character is that he, you know, that that humanity and that he does need to learn from people around him. You know, he's not just this instant kind of instantaneously perfect person out of the, out out of the fortress, you know, or, or at least the modern version isn't. I I think definitely you could level that criticism at, at the Christopher Reeve version is that he just emerges from the fortress of solitude and suddenly, which I never liked, you know, um, 
but yeah and and you know going back to kind of you mentioned Lex Luthor a lot and again yeah. I'm, I'm I'm sorry to bring back kind of fan service and all that kind of stuff the Lex Luthor in this story is Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor <laughs> and yeah I absolutely he, love it it's, it's even more so than the actual Superman 78 comic this Lex Luthor is the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor and I absolutely love it like the whole you know he, he does this kind of uh he, he does this ultimatum video message to the government where he's standing in front of like what looks to be a Hawaiian tropical island. And then you find yeah. out it's a backdrop. And he says, hang on to that. I might put it up in my sunroom. Like, whereas in Superman, in the actual Superman, the movie, we see he has that backdrop in his sunroom. I, I absolutely love that. And I, I think, and when I saw it, he's, he's there and he's eating, he's eating the he's apple eating the after apple, he's basically, yeah. because what, he, what he's done is he's convinced the, the American government to, and this is what I took away from it, is that he's convinced them to give him nuclear weapons to test them, basically. And what he's actually done is he's, he's buried himself in, say, a council of his people in this shelter and he's just dropped it on the city and kills the, all the people who were over him all the people who were giving him in, you know oversight and stuff Causing and he's just so nonchalant about it it's so good <laughs> yeah no it's textbook Gene Hackman Lex loved it and on the uh, on a similar note I think the Batman in this story is the Adam West Batman in the best possible way yeah and I want to talk to you about that because I I, I I liked it and I definitely got Adam West vibes there's a there's a panel of him where, a panel there when you see him in his suit and it's very much like an updated uh, Adam West suit yeah. um, I, I thought the, the origin was quite unusual though I yeah. mean there's no mention of the childhood trauma uh, trauma of seeking revenge um, he's more of the Adam West kind of playboy with tech and it's unusual like in the Dark Knight films, in the Batman Begins, uh, Batman Begins film, he approaches Bruce Wayne approaches Lucius Fox and is like, mm, you know, these off the books kind of stuff. I, I I might need to borrow some of that because he has a plan. Whereas this guy doesn't seem to have a plan. Um, he he doesn't get the military con- contract. There's no kind of uh, allu- uh, they don't allude to the fact that he's he's training himself to be the peak of physical perfection or anything yeah. like that. It, it's actually Lucius who suggests to Batman that there's a difference between disposing of the tech and destroying the tech and that maybe he could find another use for it, which is what he does. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was very, it's not that I didn't like it. It's just, it was, it, it was very different. I thought. Yeah. And if I could get a little bit pretentious about it, Alan, I, th- I think in a lot of versions of Batman, the Wayne's deaths are portrayed as kind of the end, the, the, the loss of innocence for Gotham and Gotham is mm. often kind of juxtaposed with America in general, definitely in the Nolan movies. And I think in this movie, or in this comic, I should say, uh, it's definitely JFK's death, which kind of mm, leads yeah. to Batman. So it, it's it's a similar thing because it, it's the loss of innocence for America, uh, yeah. which leads to Batman. So it's 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 kind of similar, even though it is different. And I like to think that, it, it you know, maybe Bruce Wayne's parents are still alive in this version, you know, and it's entirely down to this kind of chaotic. Well, that's interesting. You know? Um, and yeah, just I just want to reference there's an actual panel where Superman is talking to Batman near the end of the story and he's holding up his two fingers and his hands are up and he, it's just it, it literally looks like he's about to do the bat to see and I just love it. Yeah, it's that it, it, it took me. It wasn't until the, there's a there's a panel there where where um, uh, Batman basically breaks into the, the, sh- the underground shelter to effectively arrest Lex Luthor and there's a scene of him there when you first see him in the suit and it's only when I saw the cowl yeah. of 
that he's wearing that I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. It's 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 the Adam West. It's an updated version of the Adam West Batman. And I that's when it clicked with me and I was like, oh, I, I get it now. Um, just in, in terms of Lois, what, what I'm really excited about when it came to Lois and, I, you know, there's obviously there's more to come in relation to this story. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm excited about seeing a 60s Lois Lane written as a good reporter and kind of an independent woman of the of the 60s and 70s because the Lois Lane of the time was never written like that. Like Lois Lane in the 60s and 70s comics was always trying to find out Superman's identity and trying to trick him into marrying her and all this kind of wacky stuff. And I'm looking forward to seeing a 60s Lois Lane kind of being being treated with the reverence and respect that she deserves that's an extremely good we've gotten that before i i hadn't i don't think we've ever gotten that no i don't think we have either i I, that's an extremely interesting point actually that there's definitely stories in like the late 70s where it's like Mm. very progressive women's lib lows and i think there's a story where she steps into some sort of science fiction chamber and emerges as a black woman and you know that's right she she does this in an effort to kind of understand what it's like or, or whatever you know but definitely to your point like that there's no there, there's no version of lois lane in the 60s and woodstock and you know mm. the, the 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 marches against the vietnam war and all that like all the stuff that lois lane would actually be doing the lois lane that we know now would actually be doing so yeah that, that that's really interesting actually i hadn't thought and, of that and what made me think of that reading it was i was like reading about this 60s lois lane was when we covered the bizarro episode and it, it was all that kind of stuff it was her trying to trying to you know trick superman into marrying her and all yeah. this kind of stuff and i was like how interesting will it be to see a real 1960s lois lane um and yeah I, i'm really like there's a scene here where and he's not named in the panel but i read afterwards that it's meant to be john lewis you know the the civil rights activist john lewis that she she's talking to in the prison cell and oh i like, see okay yeah she gets arrested with civil rights leaders and, and uh, you know, on, on a march and stuff and Superman ends up breaking her out or Clark ends up breaking her out. But I like all that kind of stuff. I'm, I am I want to see more of that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, um, yeah, just overall, I'm just really, I, I it blew me away kind of, and I, I, again, I don't want to dump on Superman 78, but what you, you made an excellent point, I thought the last time we spoke about it earlier about, you know, the, the lack of an emotional arc there. This thing is full of an emotion. Is full of emotional arcs. Definitely, you know, for 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 so many different characters. I just thought it was it was like Superman starts off in like this really hubristic way, kind of going, you know, thinking basically that he's going to replace John F. Kennedy is is the impression that I got. He's mm-hmm. going to turn from Clark Kent into Superman, and he's going to take off, and he's going to be the new kind of you know hope there. And like I said earlier, like I said earlier, you know the real hubris is thinking that you can be Superman alone without the help of, of all these people. And the fact that they make, like there's no throwaway characters here. Maybe Martha in this book, there's not much with Martha Kent, um, but you know, they can't have everybody, you know, having these big emotional arcs and stuff. But I, I just thought it was, I, I thought it was so interesting. Yeah. Re- really, really good. And again, I, I like, I'm trying not to be mean here, but like it, it it just goes to show that y- you can tell a story like this and it can be good and it can be done well. Yeah. Whereas I think so many of the arguments are, oh, you just don't like Batman versus Superman because they tried to do this or they, you know, or you don't like Man of Steel because they tried to do that. It's like, no, I don't like them because it was, wasn't done well. This is done well. Like this is done tastefully yeah. and respectfully and the colors work, the dialogue works, you know, 
it, it, it's obviously not acting because it's a comic, but th- the way the panels express the story just works. It's not jarring. Like, I, ju- I really, really enjoy this. And it, it felt like the type of movie Zack Snyder was trying to make. It's the best, yeah. the best thing I could say about it. Looking at, I'm just looking at the at the panels there. Even the Wayne Manor looks like the Wayne Manor from um, it the sixties show, and even the, setup the, the phone and the curtains and everything in that room. That room actually, that front living room or whatever it is, is is, is almost identical to the one that Adam West and Burt Ward are in in the in the majority of the series. And it, when they're it would Bruce be Wayne and, it would be remiss of us not to mention that uh, when Clark discovers the fortress, the Superman suit is encased in a block of ice, not unlike yeah. season ten of Smallville. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Zach yeah, Moore. That made that made me smile too. Yeah, um, just yeah. Loads and, and, of really and we stuff. get like there's 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 other you know Green Lantern and stuff. There's a a very brief kind of origin story for Green Lantern as well, yeah. and we see a kind of a one page panel where kind of Wonder Woman reveals herself to the world, and all these people are kind of come together because they've you know they has come so close to to you know catastrophe and stuff so we're, we're and, and the, the final like the I, I put it up on the socials there on on the instagram i think the other day on the stories there's a beautiful splash page at the end where they're all running uh, oh, you yeah, know yeah. where they announced that the, the superman the, the next book is coming soon and you have flash and wonder woman and superman and green lantern and batman all kind of running against the backdrop of a speeding locomotive which is it's just beautiful stuff yeah and again sorry to keep harping on about references but Batman's uh-huh. costume has kind of changed in that final image and he doesn't look like Adam West anymore, but he does look a lot like Robert Lowry from the 1949 he serial, does. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a scene I in that serial where that. he runs on the top of a train. So I'm I'm taking that as a reference. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it, there, there's so many. And I, I'm going to read it again soon because there's a lot in like for 89 pages is, is fantastic. It, but there is a lot in it. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things I came away and it's something that's kind of, you know, the older I'm getting, I'm all pushing 40 now and kind of thinking of it. But like I really thought the message of it was kind of like and it's an interesting question to ask of Superman. How do you deal with the knowledge that everything you love will come to an end when you're Superman? Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's always kind of dealing with his with everybody else's mortality, but now it's it's him. It's his entire world. Yeah. Like he wasn't. I don't think Superman expects to deal with his own demise, especially a young Superman. Um. And now he's he, like he's by the end of it, like you see, because we we do these flashbacks and stuff, and you see the entire world. Like his, his the world is coming. This world comes to an end, and we know that from the very very start that that's what it's about. It's it's it, the whole book is about the end of the world. Yeah whether it's set in the 60s or set in the 80s. And I just thought that was, I, I really just thought that was great. And to be honest, like as much as this story lives in the past, like it couldn't yeah. be more timely. Like opening a Superman story with the end of the world and just peacefully resigned with the fact that the world is coming to an end. Like there's so yeah. much talk right now. And sorry to bring the conversation down a dark road, but there's so much talk about how little time we actually have left on this planet. Yeah, And like I've, yeah. I've been up at night just panicking about it and all this kind of stuff so it was nearly kind of weirdly comforting seeing Superman deal with that at the start of this story Um, and I'm sure like having read Mike Russell's Flintstones like that's something he clearly thinks about a lot because the Flintstones delves into that a lot as well and um, yeah again I just thought that was so well done at the start and I can't wait to see how it unfolds Um, Yeah, and, and I hope you know it says coming soon at the end I hope they take their time with this story because it deserves it and they deserve to, you know, if, if this, if the next book doesn't come out for another year, that's fine. You know? Yeah. 
and it's it's not really what 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 surprised me like the book is called superman space age but it's not a superman centric story yeah it could just as easily be called justice league or dc space age definitely yeah absolutely um we we spoke there about the scene with uh pry and that which i thought was a great kind of easter egg because clark takes over the the kooks and cranks articles once lois wins her pulitzer prize he kind of gets the the what what does she call it in superman the movie the the city beat kind of city beat yeah city beat um and we have that that scene with prior which i thought and we get you know glimpses of and you know then we we all know what's going on because they show the anti-monitor and stuff and we know what's coming um but yeah no i i absolutely loved it i can't wait to see more of it um i i think like you said there i think it's going to be a, an absolute classic going forward i'd be surprised if it isn't um would you rate it what would you give it i i, I it, it's funny with stories like this like i there, there are no flaws in the story so i guess it's no. a five out of five like what else can you yeah, give it I'm, i I, I hope the rest of the book live or the rest of the story lives up to this because this this has set some really really high expectations for me so yeah it's a five out of yeah. five perfect art perfect writing when i read that it was a semi kind of superman origin i kind of rolled my eyes going i, I don't need another don't superman need origin one, yeah. you know we have so many but and it is in a way it is in a way a superman origin but it's it's just so well done and so smartly done and i really like the conclusion and that's something that uh, that struck me particularly i i really like the conclusion that superman kind of comes to that being a hero is just turning up where you need to be like yeah. it's not about bravery or courage or you know being at the peak of your physical perfection it's just being where you need to be when people need you and i thought that was that really struck home for me i have to give it five out of five as well to be honest i just i thought it was absolutely brilliant and yeah. uh, i really highly recommend that people support it and pick it up and uh, give it a try 100 percent. yeah so uh before we finish up i just wanted to uh we've asked some people if they want to send in emails anything like that uh and uh, we have an email in a, a segment uh, I, I think we're going to call it metropolis mailbag um but we have an email here from uh, josh green and i'll just read it out it says uh rob allen uh, love the podcast it is definitely my favorite superman podcast that's out there which that's fantastic thank you so much thank you Uh, my question is this what do you think are the best and worst superman action figures that you've seen all the best josh and i can see this man in front of me is cracking his knuckles and he's 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 ready to dive into this so come on let's talk about it uh do you do you want to go first and then i'll jump no (laughs) no i don't want to go first (laughs) uh yeah so we have we recorded an episode like months and months and months ago, better favorite collectibles. For whatever reason, we still haven't put it out, but we will soon, I promise. But in that, mm-hmm. I mentioned that my favorite uh, Superman action figure line ever is Kenner Toys Superman the Man of Steel uh, figure line from I think it was 1994. It followed closely mm-hmm. after the death of Superman and the return of Superman. So uh, the the kind of main Superman figure in it has a big old 90s mullet, but it's a magnificent figure. They made a Clark Kent figure with a ponytail and like high top sneakers. There was an Eradicator figure, a Steel figure, a Superboy figure with that leather jacket. There was, what else? There was a brilliant Lex Luthor figure. My favorite thing of all in that line, they released the Kryptonian battlesuit, which is just a badass, badass toy. 
it's and, and then the the uh, Clark Kent's custom coupe, which kind of you put Clark Kent in it and you press a button and the whole car turns into like a Superman car and then Superman appears in it. Yeah. Uh, in like a kind of a hidden chamber in the back of the car. It is an absolutely brilliant uh, toy line. The worst toy line, I can, I'm, I'm trying to think of ones that I specifically don't like. I, I think some of the, possibly the Man of Steel one wasn't great. It was very cheap. It was very sort of mm-hmm. churned out. I, I didn't buy any of the toys for that. And I was like, you know, we're, we'll do a Man of Steel episode eventually. I was super, super yep. psyched for that movie. And the toys just didn't, you know, they just weren't great. Especially yeah. compared to the Superman Returns toys, which I think actually that that was a pretty solid line as well. Not great, but but pretty good. Um, but yeah, that Superman, the Man of Steel, and then I think I was saying this to Alan actually the other the other day, the superpowers Superman from the eighties and the corresponding mail away Clark Kent figure. I think they will always go yeah. down in history as the best, uh, objectively the best Superman action figure ever and the best Clark Kent figure ever. Um, and I might have asked you this during our collectibles episode, but it, it is a while ago, so I'm going to ask you again because I was huge into action figures, um, circa kind of the early to mid '90s and stuff. When I was of that age, I would have been kind of ten in 1994, eleven in '95. Mm. Um, were these available in Ireland back in the day on initial release? Uh, yes. So I I definitely remember going into what was Quinsworth at the time. It later was bought out by Tesco, which is a UK chain. Ireland is not part of the UK, but we have a lot of imports from them, a lot of kind of interference from them anyway. Anyway, but uh, in Queensworth one day, I remember seeing a huge, like, kind of, what what you call it? Like a, a huge uh, tray of Superman figures and Superman the Man of Steel, and they were cheaper than most of the other action figures. So, mm. and that they were only $4.99, whereas most action figures at that time were like $6.99. So I think what might've happened was a lot of the unsold stock uh, might have found its way over to Ireland um, because the, which kind of happens now with things like home savers and stuff there's a store here yeah, called home savers at Mr. the moment Price, generally find that, that kind of stuff yeah yeah. so I, I, I think that's what happened I think it didn't sell very well in the States and um, it, it was cancelled early like they had other figures that they had planned and designed and made and everything else um, yeah. that, that didn't eventually get sold but uh, I, I had um, Ultra Shield Superman which is Superman who wears this kind of like uh, armor type thing it's similar to the anti-kryptonite suit he wears in the animated series I had that figure and I bought it in like 1996 and I still have it to this day but um, yeah. since eBay and all that kind of stuff I've bought a, I've bought nearly all of them all the ones that are comic book accurate except for the second steel figure which I still don't have all the other ones I have and I love and it's such a great line and Superman the animated series had a great line too um, I love that one too. I have a bunch of those figures, but Superman: The yeah. Man of Steel is my is my favorite, definitely. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to go into too much because um, I know when we in our collectibles episode um, we talk about we definitely talk about figures because I know I talk about one of my figures and I tell the story. But uh, growing up, I always had the Batman '89 figures, the the Batman the Animated Series figures. What for some reason, and I don't know why, and I still have it. Whenever I wanted to play with a Superman figure, I used a Flash Gordon from Defenders of the Earth and love pretended it. that he was Superman. Love that. Um, I could not get a Superman figure growing up here. It just, I could not find one. As far as I know, they didn't make one. I, I didn't know about any of these lines. And I I, t- I, t- I tell the story in the other episode that we recorded already about how I actually found the um, Superman, the animated series, uh, Quick Change Superman, while I was on a school tour in France. 
and because of that and i i love that figure it has so much if if the, if if my house went on fire and i had to pick between like my hot toys christopher e figure or my quick change superman the animated series i'm fairly confident that i would grab my quick change uh seeing it on a school tour on a shelf i think it was in andorra or something at the time and buying it and trying to get it into my bag so the other kind of cool teenagers <laughs> who were all buying booze didn't see that I was I had bought a Superman action figure. Um, so that figure will always have a huge place in, in my heart. But I have to agree with you overall. I think, and I have both now, I have the superpowers, the, the superpowers Superman and the Mail Away Clark Kent. I, I, I got them both within the last five years um, as an adult collector I never had them as 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 a kid, but I just think that the the reverence of that Superman figure, like if you wanted a Superman figure in the eighties, first couple of years of the nineties, that was the figure that you had. Yeah. Um. And it's a it's a beautiful figure. I have a really really good um uh, really good one, uh, in very good condition. And you know it, it looks kind of silly. It has kind of the you know the cape on the ring that clips onto his oh, neck and it's big and it's bulky. Bring them back. I absolutely <laughs> I absolutely love it. And the mail away Clark Kent is just a guy in a blue suit, but it's I I, I think really. Um, if you're any kind of a collector, and uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Stu Murray, is a huge collector in the UK. Um, he runs an Instagram page where he goes through all his figures and statues and stuff. And I'm mad to get him on the podcast at some point to talk about that. But I think, like, if you, if you're looking for a figure that, like, if you could only have one figure, I think that Superman, that Superpowers figure is, is the one to get. Um, and similarly with you, with the, the worst figures. All I remember, really, I, I, I didn't buy any of the Man of Steel stuff when it came out. Yeah. It wasn't really for me. Um, but I remember, I, I think the worst kind of line, because I always thought they just looked cheap and ugly, uh, were the, was the Superman Returns figures. Really? I, I didn't really like the Superman Returns figures at all. I, I, I remember seeing them in, in stores at the time. And, you know, he was always very bulky, mm. muscular compared to what he was like in the, in the film and stuff. And I, I just never took to that line at all. Wow. Um, and I, I know that they, they, they had some special releases kind of big. Uh, I can't think of the line that I have at the moment, but I have like these 12 inch almost dolls. Uh, I have Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman and uh, Terrence Stamps, General Zod. And they release similar kind of uh, figures, um, uh, action figures for the Superman Returns line. And I could have picked them up and I didn't pick them up either. I think they released Marlon Brando and, and, and Superman. I just don't think they're great figures. I never really liked those. Fair enough. I, I, I have a uh, Clark Kent to Superman figure from Superman Returns. And it's, it, again, it's one of my favorite Superman figures. Um, I think it's one of the best attempts at doing that. It's It's like... It's it's a normal Superman figure. It looks mm. like Brandon Routh. He has a cloth cape, and then you wrap a kind of a a cloth Clark Kent suit around him that uh, sticks together with Velcro, and then he has a wig with glasses attached to the wig that you put on his head, <laughs> and it just works. I think it's I honestly think it's the best version of those kind of Clark to Superman figure. You mentioned the animated series one. I love that figure too. I uh, yeah. I was desperately trying to get that as a kid and I for whatever reason I couldn't I had they didn't have it when we went to the toy shop and I got Capture Net Superman which was the 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 only other kind of standard looking Superman as he appeared on the cartoon figure that they released in that line I think so I had that one and I loved it but I I, I did always want that Clark Kent one but I think this one's just a little bit better in that the problem with that animated series one is he's wearing these yeah. like plastic attachments that form his Clark Kent uh, kind of gear yeah 
and the head of the Superman goes down into the shoulders. Yeah, I, and then you you clip it on. Y- yeah, you clip it on. But the problem is, it only clips on at the front. So if you look at Clark Kent from behind, you can clearly tell that he's he's got Superman gear on. Whereas the Superman Returns figure, he's entirely dressed as Clark Kent, just as he is ah. in in the movie. You know, so I always like that. I had a Lex Luthor figure from that line as well, and he came with the Kryptonite tube that you put into the missile, just like he does in the movie. Um, or he put the crystal into the tube, and just like he does in the movie, there, there was a couple of things. Um. The only problem I thought with that line was, you know, all the other Superman toy lines, they mix up the costumes, they mix up the colors, they give you different versions. And this one just had a bunch of Supermans that all looked exactly the same and like two Lex Luthers and that was it. And there was no other characters uh, because I guess they thought nobody wants a Lois Lane figure, which I always wanted. And nobody wants a Parker Posey figure or a Cal Penn figure or any of these people. I would have bought all of those, but they didn't make them, so... That's that's the biggest, and I, I'm very surprised. And I I'd want to go down the big rabbit hole of figures because that's not no, what the episode no, about. No. But we, we'll we'll get our collectibles and we'll get another episode out about it. But I'm really surprised. I picked up the Superman the animated series and Lois Lane uh, figures that they released a couple of years ago in yeah. one box set, very similar to the Batman the animated series um, relaunched figures. And I'm I I was full sure that we were going to get you know Clancy Brown, Lex Luthor, and all the villains, and Perry White and Jimmy, and we didn't get any of them. Yeah, I, um, again, which I disappointing. it's just, I guess Superman doesn't have the buying power of Batman. Like Batman, you can release Alfred figures yeah. and Lucius Fox figures and people will buy them. And yeah. for whatever reason, Superman just doesn't have that cachet. And hopefully when people listen to our podcast, Alan, that'll all change. <laughs> there, There is one, the, the quick change, just what we're talking about, the quick change, Superman. I, and you're right, because as far as I can remember, mine had a green uh, shirt and yours, I think, had a yellow shirt. Well, I, was, there was the version of changes there. the version of the figure I have is like a repaint from the mid to late 2000s or the early to mid 2000s. So okay. it, it's it's not your one is from way back when it's from 1996. My, my one is from like one of these repaint like Kenner and Hasbro yeah. have this nasty habit of taking old molds for action figures and reusing them years and years later. So I have one of those reused mold figures and he's got different colored kind of gear on him. But uh, it is essentially the same figure as the one you have, yeah. There is a figure, and it's kind of like the Quick Change Superman. Um, There is a figure that I've always wanted and it's very rare it comes up and they're quite expensive. I don't know if you've ever heard of this line. Um, I I was just Googling it there because just to make sure. It was the Unmasked series. Ooh, Series two of the Unmasked series has a, and it's like that. It's 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 kind of Bruce Wayne, half Bruce Wayne, half Batman, half you know, and it's it's Clark Kent, and the main figure has the shirt open, so he's wearing a, a black suit, and it's got the shirt open, and you can see the Superman suit underneath it. Okay, and then I think what it is is you kind of have a clip-on chest with a full shirt and tie that you can put over that if you want and i don't know if you can if you can see it there there's a, a photo of it oh wow I've, ne- I've never yeah. seen that before that's really cool. i've wanted that figure for a long long time and i can never find it for any kind of reasonable price it's very rare that it comes up but i always love kind of clark kent half shirt rip superman you know i just i, I love the look of that figure um going back to the superman returns figure uh, i was talking about before that's the only action figure I have where you can do a proper Superman shirt rip. Shirt rip. Because the Clark Kent gear he's wearing, it, it comes together in the middle with Velcro. And you can you can actually pull it apart and get his hands to pull yep. it like it. So 
again, that's another reason why I really like that. All this talk of action figures has reminded me that at the top of the show, I mentioned that I got some new Superman action figures. Spin Master, who um, do some really, really nice figures for, for kids, for proper toy player withers who want to throw their toys on the ground and bash them into each other. They do some really, really nice uh, kind of DC Justice League figures. And I have two new Superman ones here. I have this one. Okay. He's wearing this kind of like silver armor on him. I don't know. I don't know what you'd kind of. Okay. I don't know what comic that sort That's of cool. Yeah, I like it. Like. I, I hated figures like that. Like when you were talking about the, the Kenner Lion, the yeah. Man of Steel, I hated all those mad, crazy versions. But now that I'm an adult, I love them. Yeah, same. <laughs> like, <laughs> variety. But more importantly, I have this one, which is just this kind of like translucent gold looking Superman. Which That's very unusual. Which I think looks a lot like the, if you remember All-Star Superman, which is where we get yep. the name of our show. Uh, the solar Superman in that story where he goes into the sun and he emerges as this kind of like sun creature and he's all gold and that's I've almost like almost like a certain dog that flies too close to the sun oh and gets goodness. a super power punch to bring it back to uh, DC League of Super Pets <laughs> it, it, it's all connected Alan it's all, it's all it all connected. comes full circle so there we go well, on that note, I'll, I think we'll wrap it up uh, for this week. Um, yeah, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Superfan, as I mentioned earlier, and at All Star Superpod on Twitter. If, like Josh, you would like to send us an email and have us uh, read it out live on air and address whatever topics you bring up, you can send it to us at allstarsuperpod at gmail.com. I need to make sure I get that right because I posted the wrong email <laughs> online during the week. Uh, it's allstarsuperpod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'll read it out during the Metropolis mailbag in the next episode. So please get in touch. Um, would you like to take us out, Rob? Uh, sure thing. I re- I, I've already said everything, so I don't know what there is to say. <laughs> pup, pup. And away. <laughs> well done. Take care, everybody. Stay safe, stay super, and we'll see you next time.